Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. Well, if you're taking notes today, I've titled this message, which I never do. I called it Be Prepared, right? Because I was, amen. But it also made me think of Lion King, you know, when Mufasa's like, be prepared. Not Mufasa, Scar, right? But be prepared. I I was praying um, and just kind of deciding which angle we're going to go today. Um, And the Lord just revealed to me, and also I have eyes and I can see, I know that we are headed into a new season, right? For a lot of you, we've started school. Um, Some people are starting new jobs. Some people are starting new seasons in their love life. Hello to all the single people. Cuffing season is coming through. Um, (laughs) But we're entering into this new season. And it's my prayer that for everyone here that it is a season of profit. It's a season of favor and blessings. But in every season, amen, amen, truly, But I also know there might be a season, there might be times in the season where you face trial, when you face adversity. And the Lord just said to me that we need to be prepared. And there are a lot of ways that we can prepare for that, but I'm going to talk about one particular way. Um, And I'm kind of pulling from Proverbs 17.17, where it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I think the enemy is really crafty, and he tries to get to us in a lot of ways. We're headed into the colder months, in Jesus' name. (laughs) You know, this 90-degree weather will break. But I also know that when it gets too cold, some of us tend to get a little somber. Anybody that way? Where, like, the cold months, the winter kind of gets to you? I looked into that, and everyone, like, calls it seasonal depression. But it's actually called called seasonal affective disorder. And that acronym is SAD, like literally S-A-D, which is like way too appropriate, but also SAD. And I was like looking into it more and more, and I read from like the Mayo Clinic that it affects like three, there are three million cases in the U.S. every fall, winter. That's a lot. So if that's you, it's one thing to know that it's not just you. There are three other million people who are in that with you. But how I think it's just so telling that the enemy would use something that the Lord designed, because he designed seasons. He made a spring, summer, fall, and a winter. But he would use that to turn us inward and turn us away from people. And as we head into these colder months, as we head into that season, I want you to be prepared. I don't want you walking into it with your head down, turning inward. But I want you to know that you have a community that's waiting for you. You have a promise that's waiting for you. And this season doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be down if you don't want it to be. You know, I hate that the enemy does that. He tries to take away from what could be new um, and good and profitable and make us turn away from it. I also know that in this season, we tend to get busier. Our schedules are packed. We have you know, groups, we have activities, we have school, we have work, we have the side work because we're all side hustling here because 
this economy, guys. <laughs> and as we get busier and busier and busier, we might be seeing more people, but we're connecting less and less, right? And I, I was reading this church blog where the creative director was saying how, like, he felt like the opposite of depression wasn't happiness, it's community, it's connection. And isn't that just like the enemy, to use this time where we get busier and busier so that we're pulled further and further away from what God has designed us for, from support that we might need so that he can tear us down even more. And I just, I cannot stress this enough that we can go into it with our minds renewed. If we're aware of it now, we can go into it knowing that we don't have to stay in the winter blues. We don't have to stay down, but in fact, we can look up. And I just think that's so cool. And obviously, I'm going to talk about community. We're launching life groups. You may have guessed it, noticed the signs in the back. Um, I'm also very extroverted, so I believe in the power of friendship, (laughs) which is easy for me to say because I smile and can talk to a wall. But I know there are a lot of people who are not like me. (laughs) And the thought of walking into a room of strangers can be petrifying, right? Or it can just be like gross, like you're just not into it, right? Any introverts out there? Oh, our introverts waved. Normally introverts don't do anything. So, hmm, we'll fact check that. But I understand that getting to know people, stepping into a new season can be like petrifying. It's easier to be alone. And just because it's easier doesn't mean it's better. doesn't mean that it's healthier. And I'm not saying that you have to go to every single function and say hello to every single stranger on the street because that's insane. Um, But you do need to find your community. Because when you're facing adversity, you need a brother. And at all times, a friend loves you. So that's all times, high, low, no matter what season you're in, A good friend, a godly friend, will love you through that. And hopefully those friendships turn into something greater, turn into something more, and turn into a brotherhood, a sisterhood, people who will hold up your arms when you're tired, who will call you out when you're wrong. Those are the very good friends that we all need. Who will support you no matter what it is that you're facing. And I know that sounds idealistic, and it sounds... Like, you may not have a friend, and that sounds like something you've always wanted, but you haven't been able to find it, or at least not find it here. I have faith for you that you will find your person here. I have enough faith for you knowing that you will find your sister or your brother who will love you in a time of adversity. And I have enough faith for you that you will find friends who will love you at all times. The word says we only need faith that of a mustard seed to move mountains. So I know my faith can bring in some friends, and it can bring in some community for you. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about being in this community, having friends, because like I said, we're friends, obviously. I adopt, I literally like collect introverts. I have so many friends that like, they just don't, they're not about it, but they come under my wing and I take them on adventures. (laughs) I do, all the time. Like I took a friend to Boston, we just like left. for like three days randomly just to go to a concert. It was amazing, great time. But like he never would have gone if an extrovert hadn't adopted him, just saying. But yeah, I have enough faith to know that that your community is coming. Your friendship is coming. Your brother, your sister, they are coming if they're not sitting right next to you. Amen? Amen. So as we're talking about community, 
one of the things that I realize um, is that community is God-designed, of course. If it weren't, he wouldn't have put it at the very beginning of the Word of God. So in our Bibles, in Genesis, I did not share this scripture, my bad, totally forgot. But Genesis 2.18, that's right at the very front. It says, "The, the Lord God said, God said this. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And what's so cool about that scripture is that in the first chapter, the Lord is just doing things. He's popping out planets, oceans, lands, and he's light, and he's calling it all good. He's taking an assessment of everything that he's made, and he's evaluating it with care and with incredible detail. And when it came to making us, to making you and me, he realized there was something that wasn't quite good, and it was that man was alone. So if the Lord could see it at the very beginning that we needed companionship, we needed friends, we needed someone by our side, I know that he says that now. So if you're in this season, you don't have friends, know that the Lord says to you, it is not good that you're alone. Maybe you feel yourself stepping back, turning inward, stepping away. The Lord is saying, it's not good that you are alone. But the Lord is also saying that he will send you someone. See, God doesn't just point out problems and not bring solutions. And that's what I love about him. We've all been in a meeting or a team project. You have that one person who points out the problem, but doesn't bring anything to the table to fix it. How frustrating is that? Oh my goodness. It is like one of my pet peeves. But God is, he's better than that. He sees a problem and he brings a solution. Matter of fact, he creates a solution. He sends the solution. So know that community is God's idea and it is for you. The next thing is picking the right friends. Come on. That's hard. That's, that's the really, really hard part I think about this. It's like, it's easy to turn to someone and be friendly. I think we use the word friends so, so cavalierly now, and I do blame Facebook because we friend everyone. But like, how many know? Those people aren't really your friends. Not all of them. And we throw that around so casually, but a friend is, is deeper than just someone you say hey to. A friend is more than that person who saves you a seat on Sunday morning, although bless that person, holla. A friend is someone that you do life with. It's someone that you see outside of convenience. We all have those work friends that you're buddy-buddy with in the nine to five, but if you saw them like on a Thursday night, you might wave and that's about it. That's not your friend. That's your coworker. That's a really strong acquaintance, but that's not someone you're doing life with. And if you don't have that person, if you don't have like a work friend that you actually want to hang out with, I'm not saying get a new job, but I'm saying <laughs> don't do that. Everybody's going to go quit on Monday or Tuesday morning after the long weekend and it's all going to be my fault. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying, look, ask the Lord to reveal to you who your friend can be if it is someone at work. If it's someone at school, we're in class. You have that person, they're clutch in class, but you don't see them outside. Reach out and be like, hey, let's grab a coffee. It's super easy. Ask what they're doing for lunch. You know, you ease into it. All my introverts, everybody eats lunch, right? The easiest way to get in there. Oh, what are you eating for lunch today? Oh, cool, cool. Well, I was going to go to Nukes. You, you like Nukes? Casual. Get in there. 
And the Lord will show you who is meant to be your friend in this time. When I think of friendship, I think, and I look at the Bible, I think of David and Jonathan. I feel like they're the best friends in the word. They're the first ones that I thought of anyway. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, David was the one that killed the giant with a slingshot, which is so metal and so cool. Um, Definitely could not do that. Don't have the coordination. Glad he did. But he... Once he kills the giant, the king, King Saul brings him in, and he brings literally the head of the giant to the king. And as he's talking about, like, his triumph and what happened, Jonathan is there, and Jonathan is the king's son, and he's listening. He's listening to everything that David has has to say. And uh, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 18, uh, verse 1. So this is after David's brought in the head which is a little gruesome, sorry. (laughs) Um, 18 verse 1, it says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword his bow, and his belt. That's a friend, a real friend. That's not just a work acquaintance. Jonathan gave him the clothes from his back, not because it seemed like the right thing to do, but to show that he believes in David. He believes in his calling, and he believes in who he is. So when you're looking for the right friends, everyone in this room has a call in their life. Everybody in this room has a dream that is probably massive and scares people, (laughs) low-key. But if your friends are scared of your dream, they're probably not your friends. Your friends can be surprised by your dream. They can be surprised by your calling, like, oh, wow, you're doing that now. Well, all right. But if they're scared of it, if they're putting you down, if they don't believe in you and they're not supporting you, they probably aren't your friends. And it's, it might be time to reevaluate who to bring into your life and who to share those dreams with and who to share that call with. Amen. I, my very best friend, she's amazing and she's incredible. And right now she is a stay-at-home mom with three kids that are like three, almost two, and just turned one. Hands are full. Come on. But she knows what she's called to do. And in this season, she's, she's pressing into that calling, and it's shocking a lot of people. Because she's very talented. Everyone thought she was going to be a singer. And then everybody thought she was going to be a homemaker. But now she's like, no, med school. That's what we're doing, which is so rad. But I've witnessed people telling her, oh, are you sure you want to do that? I've seen people say, oh, well, you must not care about your family. People that she thought were closest to her. And she's had to learn, oh, those aren't really my friends because they don't support me. My friends are the ones who call me Dr. Kanoi. My friends are the ones who send me Grey's Anatomy memes saying that that's going to be me one day. And I want to encourage that in you too. Find those friends. It hurts and it can be pointed and prickly and sobering in all the scary ways. But she's better off knowing who is for her in this season than being surrounded by voices that are against her. When Jonathan 
gave all these things to David, when he gave him his robe and his cloak and his, his armor, his weapon, he was doing more than just being a friendly guy. You see, Jonathan is in line for the throne and quite literally gives him the things that are his. He gives him his spot in line by doing that. He believes in David enough to give him his own inheritance and not be upset about it. He supports him in such a significant way. And I just, I, I never even like realized that until I was studying this week um, or had seen it that way. But it, it was an exchange that brought David higher, an exchange that promoted him and that lined up with his call, whether he knew what his call was or not. Something in him said, I believe in this guy and I'm going to do what I can as his friend, as his supporter as someone who's one in spirit with him, to boost him there. Because David was a sh- like a shepherd's boy. This boy was in the field, dirty. Not supposed to be with royalty. But here he is walking in prince's armor. Here he is walking in a prince's promise. And it's like a foreshadowing for Jesus, you know, because he did that for us. He gave us, you know died for our place and all that good stuff. But if we go back just a little bit further um, in chapter 17, you'll see that someone might do the same actions, but you have to be very careful to know when it's coming from a pure heart and when it's not. And that is so major in choosing your friends. You see, in chapter 17, when David was about to face Goliath, Saul brings him in, King Saul brings him in. And um, 32, perfect. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. So red flag number one, didn't believe him from jump, which so annoying. But David knew. So, but David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine." confidence. We love to see it. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And then he says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. And I think it's so interesting how Saul tried to dress David in his clothes. But he tried to do it after disbelief. Jonathan does dress David in his clothes, but does it from a believing spot. He does it from a place of knowing that David's right. David can do this and out of a place of support. You will have people in your life who will look like supporters, who will try to boost you up and dress you, but everything they're saying to you is not coming from a true heart. People will feed you lies, and if you're not careful to discern the difference in a true friend and just a Saul, 
You're going to be walking around in armor in things that don't even look like you. You're going to be walking around in something that holds you back, that keeps you from completing the mission that you know in your heart you can and will do. Don't let fake friends, don't let a fake community put armor on you that's going to weigh you down. Surround yourself with people who are going to clothe you in things that lift you higher, that line up with who you are meant to be, not what they say you should be. I've had friends who were fine, and I've had friends who were amazing. I've been a fine friend, and I've been an amazing friend. And it does take discernment. And maybe you have a friend who's come to you with a dream and you've said, that's absolutely insane. There's no way they're going to do it. You have to determine, are you going to be a Saul or are you going to be a Jonathan? And be honest. Do that person a favor. If you don't believe in them and you don't support them, don't be around them. Do not drag them down. Because if the Lord has told them something, are you really going to be the one to stand in the way of God's plan? Don't do that. It's a little toe-stepping. It's a little in your face. But, like, just don't be that person. We are not big enough to change God's plan. We simply aren't. Find people who bring you higher that you can also bring higher. Because community is an exchange. It is a back and forth. It's not just going and taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. You have to give back. So look around. Look at the people you've hung out with this weekend. Do you believe in them? Do they believe in you? Are they putting armor on you that does not fit, that weighs you down? Or are they dressing you in in things that make you look fly, that make you look so much better and align with the person that you're meant to be? I uh, went away for school and um, I went out of state and I came back home and then I was home for like eight or nine months, and then I went back to where I went to school to go visit my friends. And I was so excited to go and see them and go to all of our favorite spots, favorite restaurants, everything. And it was so strange when I went because no one understood why I had to move back to Mississippi. They didn't get it. I even had someone tell me that I wasted my time uh, where I went to school. Like, what was the point if you were just going to turn around in five years? And I went back to that group of friends, and it was the weirdest, most out-of-body thing. Conversations that they were having, the places that they were going, no longer aligned with my call. There was like a rubbing there. There was a tension there. And yeah, we still laughed and got on well and, you know, did go to our favorite restaurants, did do our favorite things. But I knew in my gut that something was off. Something was different. And I realized that I had stepped into a community when I moved back here that actually believed in me and supported me. I had stepped into a community that was moving in the direction that I was also moving in. And these friends, they are doing fantastic things. They're so cool. But we became so different. And truthfully, I changed. It wasn't them who changed. And I realized that I couldn't be a good friend to them in this next phase of life because I was so different. I couldn't be a good friend to them because some of the things they were doing I felt like would compromise me and compromise my call. And I wasn't willing to to sacrifice that. 
you're going to have those moments of friendship that you might have to cut people off to find your right friends. You can't always bring the friends with you from a past season into the new season. And that sucks. And it's really, really hard especially if they're those friends that you saw with you on your wedding day or, you know, friends that you imagined growing up with and growing old with. But God is a restorer. He won't leave you empty-handed. He will not leave you without support and without a community to fill those spots that those people left. And I'm grateful that he did that for me, and I'm grateful he did it for them. They have friends that are moving in the direction that they are going in, that support them, that love them, that can have conversations with them about things that I probably wouldn't even understand. And on the other side, I have friends who push me forward that I can have conversations with that are moving in the same direction that I'm moving in. And it's been so cool to see that God is faithful on both sides. God honored the fact that I saw that I needed to take a step away And it wasn't in a cold way. It wasn't to be rude or just cut people off because no drama, none of that. It was just like, oh, we're in different phases. We'll text each other every now and then. We send send each other happy birthdays and all that good stuff. But I have God friends now. I have a godly community now. And it's it's funny because I even had pictures of my friends in college and the pictures of my friends here and even the photos are just like, so different. The vibes were so different. (laughs) But I like the way the photos look now. And I think they like the way their photos look now. So I just want to encourage you in this season there, you'll know, you'll be able to identify who your Saul is and who your Jonathan is. Just ask the Lord to show you. Maybe you're thinking of someone right now and you're like, I might maybe need to have a conversation with them. You can do that. The Lord will, will season your words so they're good to the taste, is what the Bible says, when you need to have those conversations. The Lord will show you who you can and should be around. Um, and the Lord will bring you a great, great sense of community to uplift you in this next season. Because remember, a friend, a godly friend, loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So the last thing I want to talk about is when you just cannot find community. Because I've been there too. Believe it or not, I have been there. There's a period where I lived in Texas. It was only like nine, ten months. And I don't even think it was that long. Eight, nine months, let's say. And I was there and I was plugged into a church and I was volunteering and I was going to a small group. But I could not find my community for the life of me. Like I found people that I liked fine. You know, I found those acquaintances, those work friends, convenient friends, but I couldn't find people that I just wanted to, like, be in sweats and watch Netflix with and, like, be ugly around. Do you know what I mean? Like, the friends where you don't have to put on all of it. I could not find them, and it was the—it was so hard. I remember calling my mom and being like, I cannot find my people here. I have a cat, and she moved with me. And I was like, I'm so grateful for this cat because I need a companionship because I am just going home after work, and that is the worst. (laughs) And I kept kind of complaining about it, and I finally, I just, like, had to pray about it. And it shouldn't have been finally. It should have been my first move. But when you cannot find your community, maybe you've come here for school or for work or a job, and you find people that you kind of like, like they're, they're okay, but you're not quite clicking on that level, pray about it. It's, it might take some time. It took me some time, but I found one couple 
they're about to have a baby. And I said, what do you need? They're like, will you bring us dinner? And I said, okay. So I brought over chicken nuggets, Christian chicken, Chick-fil-A. And when I delivered their nugs, we talked for like six hours and just hung out eating chicken nuggets, hanging with their dog. I was like, I found them. I found my people. I had to pray about it. I had to deliver like 30, a 30 count nugget meal, but it was worth it. Because even though I don't live there anymore, we FaceTime regularly. I know that they are God friends who will promote me, uplift me, encourage me, who thought the same way I did, but not so much so that they let me get away with anything. Like, they are such good friends that I know I will have for life. And I haven't even seen them in like seven months. (laughs) But God will show you who your community is meant to be. And... You might have that trial and error period where you go, I used to hang out with this one group and it was so cringe, could not stand it, but I felt really guilty for like dropping away because they really, really tried to bring me in. But you know, I had to pray about it and I just had to be honest. I had to say, guys, the bachelorette is really not my vibe, so I'm not coming anymore, but you enjoy your fantasy league and have the best time. That's okay. God will restore those friendships. He will redeem that time and bring you, you only need one. Adam just had Eve and that was enough. You only need one really, really good friend. You only need one really profitable, great community. And I do believe that that's here for you. Whether it's right here at Fondren or just like in the Jackson area, we have that for you. People who will pray for you in hard times. People, like I said, who will call you out, (laughs) even when it hurts. People who will give you their robe and clothe you in a way that promotes you and pushes you along to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. That community is waiting for you. And yes, we have a ton of life groups. You can sign up for them. We have social groups. We have prayer groups, Bible studies, all that good stuff. So check those out. But if you need like like a God friend, come find me. I'd love to pray for you and pray that over you. Because we all need that person. One of the last things I'll share, which I know speakers always are like, this is where I close and they don't really close. I'll try to be honest. Um, I met my very best friends in Mississippi, which is so bizarre to me. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm originally from Maryland, moved here, grew up here. Some of my closest friends are from middle school, which is insane because I didn't think I would know anyone that long. Um, I've lived in a bunch of different places. I've done a bunch of different things. I've had, I think I'm on like my second or third career and I'm still in my twenties, which is also weird, but also very millennial. And I just want to encourage you to not doubt the space that you're in. Because if God called you here, he's going to supply you in every single possible way, including community. And I've made even greater friends right here where I never thought I'd end up. (laughs) But, and I'm so glad that I did. That is f- for you here. 
I know like as young people or just people in general, when you're in Mississippi, a lot of us kind of have the stigma. We're like, oh, I want to get out of here. I want to be in a bigger city. I want to do something different. Jackson's boring or, you know, your hometown's your hometown for a reason. And so it's not exciting anymore. But I want to encourage you, don't discount where you are. And just, I remember talking about this with Adri at dinner one night. You know, we have these dreams. We want to do these things. But the Lord told me, like, everything you could possibly need might be right here. We're so busy looking everywhere else. But it might just be right here. So as we close out in worship, I want to invite you to just take some time to reflect and ask the Lord to show you. He will call you to other places. He will call you to move to different states and countries. But he also might ask you to stay right here because this is your garden. This is your fertile ground. This is your firm foundation. And every single thing you might need might be right here. A friend, a husband or a wife, hello, a new job. It could be right here. So don't rush it away. So let me pray for you, and we'll, we'll worship for a bit. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that community was, is your design, Father, and it is your promise for us here and now. God, I thank you that you love us enough to, to meet every single need, whether we're high on the mountain or if we're in the valley, Lord. God, I thank you for the people who are here who have felt lonely and hopeless in this season. And I thank you that you see them and you tell them here and now that you love them, you are for them, and you're providing for them in ways that they could never imagine. God, I thank you that you're surrounding every person in this place with God-centered community, with people who will pray and laugh and, and just share in the goodness of God with one another. God, I thank you that you see the one person who feels like that's not for them. Lord, you see the one person who feels like, yeah, that's all great and good for all of them, but what about me? Lord, I thank you that you see them here and now, and you're speaking to them, and you're saying, my son, I see you. My daughter, I see you. Everything you need, I have for you. Everything you could possibly want, I can give you. God, I thank you that you're too good to leave anyone in a pit of despair. And I thank you that you're moving in our lives here and now. There's none like you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.